if you've been a fan over the past five and a half months of the diverse group of guests I've had on this show and how they love what they love and what makes them create what they create and their backgrounds have all been very, very different. And that still may apply to what I'm about to tell you all. I don't mean to let anybody down, but starting later this week for the next 31 days, the show is going to be strictly devoted to the horror genre. One of my favorites. We've even touched on it a little bit on this show. I've even joked that maybe this should just be a show about horror movies. I mean, Tyler Geis's basement does kind of sound a little spooky, depending on the context you use it in. But because I have a lot of different tastes and a lot of different things, I usually have a diverse group of people on the show. But for the next 31 days, starting this Friday, October 1st, you are getting a boatload of shows devoted to everything in the horror genre. Because why not? It's about to be October. You're into spooky things. You're into horror movies. You're into Stephen King books. You're into black cats roaming around at night. You're into, fuck it, pumpkin spice if you want to be like that. That's fine too. You're into that kind of stuff. It's fall. I don't care if you live in New England or you live in Florida or you live in Canada. There's just something in the air this time of year. So, in honor of that, my favorite time of year... I'm devoting the show to multiple episodes every week that have to do with that kind of stuff. I got some horror filmmakers lined up for interviews, and some of their films you might be seeing on some popular streaming services either right now or very soon. Who knows? Some reoccurring guests might be popping up. Some new guests might be popping up to plug some things that they're working on. And every Friday, you're going to get top three horror films of the week from me and where to watch them. So, I hope you're ready for the spooky season like I am. But that's in a few days. Today's show is still very special to me. Very, very, very special, may I add. I finally got him on. I couldn't get a hold of him for a while, but now he's here. Walter Gonnett, my good friend, a longtime mentor, a guy who taught me a lot about what I know. Walter's a walking production company from Holyoke, Massachusetts. But one thing I always wanted to talk with him about was his previous career as a film projectionist at movie theaters. I could tell while doing this interview I was opening up something in him that he hadn't had the chance to really talk about in some time. I could sense him perking up about it, reliving his glory days. Walter appeared in a documentary a few years back called The Dying of the Light, which has to do with the end of film projection and switching to digital. There's a scene in it, and I'll leave it in the show notes, where he's sitting in the theater he used to work at, and you can just see him getting that old feeling of being in the theater as the lights go down and the light on the screen goes up. That light being the film he's projecting on screen. You talk to any projectionist, whether they're still working or not, that is a magical moment being able to give that to an audience. I also touch on me and Walter's relationship past, present, and even future. He's been a good friend of mine. We've had good times and bad times, him and I. Been in difficult situations, then followed it up by getting a pizza together after all that's done. I love the guy. He's one of my closest friends, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. Welcome to the basement. Walter Gonnett. Hang on a second. <laughs> okay, because I had a message that popped up from uh, uh, something about recording. I think you're uh, I had a hit. Got it. Okay, got it. Okay, let's start again. Let's start again. Hey, Walter Gonnett. Hey, Tyler Geis. Long time no see. Long time no see. Thank you for the enthusiasm and welcome to the basement. <laughs> Uh, uh, I just want to start by saying, you know, thank you for, thank you for saying yes to doing this. Uh, um, I, I, I know we're not going to go into personal details, but I know it's been a rough summer for you with just a lot going on. And thank you just for making time to come on here and talk to me about a niche little topic I wanted to just discuss. And I felt like you were the right guy for it. Mm-hmm. 
okay, I'm here. <laughs> You're going to give me a lot of, see, it's kind of funny. Once I hit record, people actually start having fun and the nerves go away. Yeah. Um, all right. So I just want to give a little backstory. Uh, Walter and I uh, go back like, is it like 10 years now? Well, back to school days for sure. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Talk, you talk. You're my guest. Talk. Uh, I bought my computer in 218, so I must have known you uh, just before 218, 2018. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've known each other for long past before 2018. And, uh, probably before that, too. I know exactly when it was. <laughs> it was, uh, I think it was fall semester 2010 is when I kind of started hanging out at your place. Oh, wow. You didn't think we went back that far? No, I, I can tell you, time is flying. Uh, trust me, I'm, I'm getting older. Uh, That's 12 years. Oh, wow. It's yeah. almost, shh. I know you don't like me swearing, but shit. That is, <laughs> I was just a baby. I was a kid. Oh, okay. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just finding it funny. That uh, it's like okay. Yeah. Have you ever I'm done a podcast? Like having fun sometimes. Things, strange things happen. It's a lot of funny things happen too. So. No, I know. Have you ever done a podcast before? Uh, I was supposed to do one uh, with somebody in this area uh, because I, I advertise uh, some material. Uh, Anybody interested in pod, pod, podcasting? Because I was going to set up podcasting, which I already bought equipment. I got a complete uh, ATEM system, and uh, uh, which can stream well, as you're recording at the same time, and wow. microphones and everything's all set. And I'm just looking for somebody that wants to help run, help run it run it with me. Uh, so that's I'm sorry, about I'm... It as far as podcasting. I'm sorry I'm a thousand miles away because I'd I'd help you actually. I mean, I'm you know, but um you can still help. You can be on as on a, as a guest or something. Well even though, I, you, that's what's good about the internet. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. So whenever <laughs> you start your show, I will come on your show. Um no, so Walt, you and I go back like 10 years a little more than 10 years now. I was just, a, I remember, I actually remember like one of the first times. So basically, um, well, you know what? I'll do a little explaining here, but I'll let you obviously, you know, explain yourself. But, you know, Walt, me and Walter met when we were both going to Springfield Technical Community College. And, um, you know, I was just a kid looking to get his hands on some gear and, you know, make some stuff. And little did I know that this guy who was taking classes for free had all this equipment at his house. So I just came to your place uh, and I don't think I ever really left till I actually had to move. <laughs> um, and the rest is history. I, I just, I think I remember the first times, one, not the first time, but one of the first times I was over there, um, a good friend of ours who unfortunately passed away like a year ago, Sean Bukowski. Mm. Um, he, uh, he, um, I, he, he like offered for me to us to go on a shoot out in Boston and I don't know and the rest is history, I guess, but why don't you talk to me? I know you have like a big background. Um, I mean, you've been around the block, my friend, you've been around, I'm not trying to age you that that's disrespectful, but you've been around a while and you've done some things. Um, what's like, what, tell me the Walter story. I know you've, I had recording oh, wow. studios. I know you, you know, oh, yeah. go ahead. Talk to me. Uh, basically, I started, uh, let's see. Well, uh, I'm not quite sure. I had a recording. I, I got interested in recording, audio recording. And uh, I did a lot of, of uh, recording on location. I didn't have a studio. But I did eventually open up a studio in Aguam uh, with a Ampex half inch one hour four track system and a Ampex two track uh, mastering uh, tape recorder and a Langevin board. And I had built uh, in the studio, I had walls and a uh, 
a sound booth for a soloist. And we started off with but using uh, one thing I found out that was good and uh, soundproofing was kind of, kind of expensive, but somebody suggested a cartons, So I went to the egg factory and got some uh, egg cartons and paste them on the wall and that made good sound absorbent. Mm-hmm. And then we just ran. I really recorded a lot of uh, groups, uh, uh, a lot of Polish polka bands I did in the studio. I did... Uh, some of the bands, uh, the kids' uh, bands from all over. And uh, some of the people are still playing today. They're adults now, but they remember recording in the studio. I wouldn't recognize them now because uh, they're all older. I know them when they were in high school or college. And now they're their fathers and their grandfathers now, too. Now. Uh, so, uh, we went for a few years. Then I closed up a studio, but wasn't making too much money because I was very inexpensive for groups. That's why I did a lot of recording. So I went back to recording on location. And I eventually did a lot of recording at the Flywheel in East Hampton. East Hampton, uh, Massachusetts. I remember that place, yeah. the flywheel. But it's not the new place they're in now. It was yeah. that one with the uh, around the on the bin by across from the church. It but used now to be in, on the uh, way up to on the way up to Mount Tom, right? Right at that corner. After you come down Mount Tom, right down, and you're going to get take the corner. Just before you take the corner, it's a building on the left. I went there a couple times in high school to see, like you know little punk rock bands. I don't know if you were there. Who knows? Maybe our paths crossed before we actually knew each other. Yeah. Uh, uh, so had... <laughs> he probably wasn't there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I wasn't there every day. So uh, I did recordings and I also did some of their sounds. Um, I did get them a mixing board and I operated that quite a few times in a lighting board. Lighting board. Uh so the fly was enough for about a year or so. And then they uh, moved over to another building. I think it was the old city hall or something. Over. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, still there now. I, I think they're still in existence. Why not? Because they're advertising flywheel. Uh, so I don't think they moved. Uh, and uh then I back then when the fly was going, I did was when the, I was at flywheel. I had the idea because what was happening with bands, they were coming in to record and make a, a cassette tape for a promo tape, or what they call a press kit or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I got you. And they uh, send it out to other people. I says, well. When you're recording a cassette and doing a press, you're mostly doing this in a recording studio. So uh, that doesn't really show the the bar, or the school, or wherever you're trying to promote to about you. I said, why don't we do one when you are a live performance? So the first band I ever did was Bishop Allen. They came in, we recorded it, two cameras, uh, and uh, I recorded on my audio and we put it together and we made a DVD. So instead of a cassette, they're getting a DVD. They're seeing the band in action. And now for, I guess a lot of people are doing that. They're putting DVDs in now instead of uh, just a record or something like that. Mm-hmm. This actually shows how good you are. Uh, so, <laughs> and after that, I still got the audio equipment because I did some recording for you. You did. Up in, uh, what's, what's his name's house there? Uh, when we did um, the score for the short film, Melvin, you. Uh, yeah, for Melvin. We, yeah. we lugged your, because uh, the, the, um, the guy who did the music for that movie, he got his uh, little jazz band together and they, they live up in the middle of nowhere. So we put your. <laughs> sound big sound mixer and everything we needed in my car and drove up there and pretty much made a makeshift recording studio it was chris Carantit. um 
and uh, <laughs> and we pretty much made a makeshift recording studio out of his little basement for this jazz band and that like i i don't know like did did we use your mics on that i believe so yeah like that that just the the audio on that i mean look i'm not an audio whiz like you but um here i am making a podcast but um (laughs) um, but like it was pretty it was i don't want to say flawless but yeah it was was really really good for kind of the you know setup we had so you know you got you've always had quality gear and you've always been willing to kind of help people with it which i think is why a lot of people admire you back home in uh, western mass i want to uh I want to kind of transition here into one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on here. I mean, honestly, we can talk about a million things, but I, I needed to get you on here because just a, when I thought of having you come on the show, I was like, what can me and Walter talk about? And I just kind of, I, I know you've talked about it in front of me before many times and either maybe I was, I just caught tidbits of it or not, but like you were a, you were a projectionist, Right. Yes, and for many years. I have been, just another thing to add to your resume, I guess, man. But um, you, so what kind of really hooked me, and look, maybe at the time, maybe it's just because I was, you know, young and stupid and thinking of a million things at once. Um, you know, you'd say you're a projectionist and I'd be like, oh, that's cool, Walter. You know, that must have been fun. You know, but I'm surrounded by digital nonstop. And as much as I respect film and love film, I wasn't using film. But you appeared, I don't know for how long, I still haven't seen the movie, I've just seen the scene that you're in. You were in a documentary, I think it's called The Dying of the Light? Yes. And you're, they filmed you in the, the Victory Theater in Holyoke, Massachusetts, or what remains of that. I know they're supposedly renovating it. I, I don't know, you probably know more about the story than I do. But uh, yeah. once I... Once I saw that video of you, there was just something so powerful to me. I'll probably leave a link to it in the show notes here, but there was something just so powerful about you standing there reminiscing about your time in there as a projectionist. I felt like it just it just kind of touched your soul of some sorts. I, I don't know if I'm just overthinking it, but uh, it was a, just tell me about that, even though it was just a little interview, but just tell me about that movie because I've still never seen it. Uh, I didn't see the movie, but it's available for sale. Uh, maybe it was Amazon. I saw it or something. The whole DVD. Um, but I did. I think it's uh, maybe also on uh, YouTube. Uh, well, the Victory Theater. I worked there. I filled in for. There was a gentleman that's whether he's deceased now, but he was from South Alley. He was had to be in his seventies and eighties uh, working, and uh, and I kind of he taught me how to start run, running a projector. So I got interested in running a projector. So uh, the Victory Theater was pretty. I I went there when I was a kid. Uh, I don't know what the fee was. I think it was probably fifty cents or something like that to get. Wow. But it was under a dollar anyway. Uh, and it was an amazing place. Uh, it used to be a nice theater before. It, it had a fire in there. Uh, uh, yeah, that was, you told me about that. There was a big yeah, fire. Yeah, it had and they rebuilt. And, uh, and I, I, I was reminiscing a few things. One one thing that surprised me at that theater, though, we had a movie, uh, the way we were. Yep, I forgot who the actresses were were in it. And I'll look that it up movie, while now, the movie at that time when I was doing the thing wasn't really drawing big crowds. It's not like uh, theater stage to draw bigger crowds now, but it was a sub run theater, so. Uh, Movies already played somewhere else, and then Robert Redford they're playing it there. Robert Redford, yeah, and uh, Barbara Streisand. This is the first time that 
we had to hold the movie up. Uh, if you're familiar with the Victory Theater in Holyoke, it's on the corner of Suffolk and uh, Chestnut Street. And further down on Chestnut Street, if you had the right, is a funeral parlor mm-hmm. on the same side as the Victory. It was a dollar night. And dollar nights usually did decently. Mm-hmm. The, I had a hold of the show because there's a line went out from the door, the ticket booth, up up Suffolk, back over to Chestnut, all the way down to the funeral parlor. So that was a blockbuster. Just for that night. Because that's what, last time I was in, I don't know, when I was in Los Angeles, that they, yeah. my wife and I, we got a tour of um, the, the Chinese theater there in Hollywood touristy stuff and only reason why i'm saying this is because they told us what the definition of a blockbuster was the 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 term came from when there was a line so backed up that it went went down the block and like shut the street down hence a blockbuster so that's the only reason why i said that sorry yeah well a viral is also when it makes a lot of money now don't forget yeah that too was a was a a sub-run theater Oh yeah, that meant they played first run in the major theaters, uh, like showcase cinemas, etc. Before that, actually got to, um, but the dial that dollar night uh, was really um, it just I in fact instead of holding it up, I found a couple of cartoons up up there. I put cartoons on running while people are waiting and sitting in the theater waiting for the show to start. I ran a couple of cartoons. Uh, this is interesting because yeah, we're kind of. I'm, I'm glad you're getting chatty with me on this because I, I have only had a few questions for you, but I'm kind of thinking of other questions to ask you. So, like, you were did you air like those? Uh, what kind of what kind of cartoons were they? Sorry, uh, I can't remember. Uh, there was uh, some like Looney Tunes or something. Uh, I mean, uh, it's ones that you can see. In, Maybe you can see them on TV on some if those whoever run car, old cartoons. Uh, Did you guys air the uh, dancing candy videos? You know I, what I mean, don't remember. I never saw it, and I don't think it, I ever was run there. I if it was, I wasn't involved with that uh, that particular. Uh, no, it's fine. It's just it every not every theater, but every. I still try and go to like theaters like the one we're talking about right now. I mean, there's still ones throughout the country that are still finding a way to thrive, but you go to like a drive-in and they always have those little like previews. And then they show that old footage of like the dancing candy and popcorn. I don't know what it's actually. Oh, that one you're trying something like that. Uh, we had the one with the hot dog and everything. And everything. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the hot dog dancing. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, no, go to the snack bar, something like that. <laughs> oh, so you're that's because it was a double feature, so they put that in for a break. Was and, du- uh, yeah, the double features kind of went out. Uh, except some sub run theaters play double features, we sometimes did. Um, uh, but usually they went to a, from double features of singles. Uh, or either that or a short. Uh, uh, what I kind of miss is uh, when I was a kid going, I used to like to watch the newsreels. They used to run a newsreel just before the picture. Especially uh, um, during wartime, they'd have, yes. yeah. They, they, and, they'd uh, air stuff on um, like what's going on overseas during World War II and stuff, so. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. But anyway, uh, that was a place that you have to walk up almost like three flights of stairs to get to the projection booth. <laughs> yeah. To don't have no elevators. It had oh. uh, it had balconies, a double balcony above the main floor. There was a middle one and there was an upper one. The upper one is where the projection booth was. And I'm glad I don't have to carry the cans because uh, 
I couldn't uh, carry cans of film. Film came in can two cans usually with uh, six or seven reels sometimes, or sometimes maybe more. One projectionist told me that one day he was supposed to get them down. He just threw them out the window and let them fall to the ground and then picked them up later. Hmm. <laughs> Whether that was true or not, I'm not sure, but I, I don't know how much damage would be done to the film. The uh, film's expensive today. But today uh, we're not, uh, now we're into digital. Yeah. And uh, we didn't have digital. We had some digital sound, but uh, amplifiers and stuff like that instead of the old tubes. Let me and ask. We used, and the Rift Victory had a big generator that generated. Uh, back in those days, we had arc lamps. You know, we would use carbon rods. And that took a big generator down in the cellar to, uh, you had to go start that up and then go upstairs and then uh, it's operating from up there up. And um, and we usually use two projectors. We had a switch every 15 to 20 minutes from one projector to the other because they come in on reels. Uh, the modern day theater now uh, splices all the film together on a platter and yeah. they run it like if it was one big reel. Although they do have some big reels that you can put a whole show on a one reel that runs on the side of the projector and goes up into it. But today is even different. Now they're using hard drives. They yeah. set the pictures in on hard drives. You just plug the hard drive into the, uh, the wherever the equipment is. It acts like a computer and you, you just transmit the, uh, to the... Uh, projector which is now uh is no longer lit by a xeon bulb or uh, carbon rods anymore may um, i ask you the sure. million dollar question and i was going to save this for the end but i feel like we're jumping around a little bit which is fine there's no problem well, i don't know yeah but uh film or digital what what about it which what, what do you prefer <laughs> Uh, because I know you have a ton of digital equipment now, but I just I don't know. I thought I'd ask a projectionist. No, well, I, everything is today is practically digital. Uh, one of the things that back in my days, uh, I I know what people are talking about today. I don't think they notice they notice uh, uh, the difference, <clears throat> but people that grew up with the film like the film look better than the digital look yeah because i have nice sharp nice colors and everything but it doesn't doesn't remind you of film because there's something that that Sorry. look oh uh, that has the look of that film my, like honestly like i feel my generation is probably the last to really get that last look of film like you know i grew up i was a kid in the 90s and obviously they're still shooting on film but there was a transition you know after the new millennium that started i mean they were still shooting on film like when i was a teenager but i feel like my generation was the last to really get to see stuff on film and but i know what you mean with that look like something about digital i know it's i feel like a hypocrite when i get into the debate because everything i shoot on is digital really i got a digital camera over here behind me um but there's just something about that like that look of digital where it's yeah if it, it it can be done well but there's just something about film that's just so organic and just the way the light shows up and it's kind of it's kind of funny i've um I watch, you know, movies with my wife and, you know, I've actually, <laughs> she's skilled enough now where she will look at me and ask and go, it was this shot on film. And I'll be like, yeah, it was <laughs> like, she can kind of spot it too. And I, I don't know. I, anyway, to, you can go back to answering the question. Um, but the, I definitely know what you mean with the, the difference in the look. Sorry, continue. I didn't mean to it, jump in. Uh, well, they're trying to, well, actually today, you can make digital look like film because you can, they yeah, got yeah. plugins now. Uh, Pixel Film Studios uh, has uh, these plugins for Final Cut or 
and uh, and it makes a you can do anything. You can make it grainy. You can change the colors. You can do anything. You can give it the film look. But in digital, has uh, a lot of people. Sometimes what they'll do is they'll shoot digital, and then transfer it to film. Yeah, which is that. which is much cheaper because if you if you realize you're shooting you're shooting a lot of. Uh, take sometimes you may take two, three, four takes on the one scene. You may have thousands of feet of film that is thrown away. Yeah, because you're not using it. Thousands, and that costs money. So with digital, what does a chip cost? The card, <laughs> ten bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then once you got your master made, then they can transfer it to film. So. Uh, and digital plus, you can do a lot of special effects in digital. Where, uh, you know, something that's one thing I still think I like to see when guys uh, they do their own stunts instead of having the special effects that they can do. Buster Keaton. Yeah. Well, Jackie Chan. Say, oh. Yeah. How about uh, uh, John? Who's who? Oh wait a minute. Who's the one that did? Uh, 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 it's a series. Um, not John Travolta. Uh, oh my goodness, I can picture him. The one that Mission Impossible. Uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. He was actually up on a building at, uh, in one of those movies that he was. Yeah, no, he was having a midlife real. crisis, and <laughs> that was mean. I'm sorry. I shouldn't well, I hate mean, on Tom. I, I mean, I could. I don't think I could. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody can. So honestly, more power to him. Yeah. Um, let me get back to just. Okay, couple, sure. Fine, let me get fine, back to fine, a couple I'll questions here. Yeah. I don't know if you actually answered this. Um, you may have, and if you did, I'll just kind of cut that part, cut this part out. But what got you into being a projectionist? Was it just a job that you ended up really liking, or does? I mean, clearly you're you're passionate about it. Well, I can hear was, your voice. I was interested in uh, oh, the what really started me uh, to be a projectionist was there. Were, I rented a theater. Wow! And I had a hire projectionist for the. Uh, it was a union at that time. And I said, well, "Hey, I like to be a projectionist." And the guy showed me how to run it, and then. I joined the union and I enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> um, like the drive-in theaters, talk about drive-ins, uh, there's not too many left. Uh, for a minute, I, now I'm not sure about one. Uh, I used to work at all of them, Sundown, Parkway, Riverdale, uh, over in Chicopee. But somebody's telling me that there is a, uh, driving at the Biggie. Yeah, for our uh, listeners, we're talking about just some places back home in Western Mass. But uh, yeah, I actually heard about that. That's been a a new thing. I mean, driving's kind of had a resurgence this past year with not being able to go to the theater, but people that still wanted that theater experience. Yeah. So, and this, uh, by the way, there's only one other theater that the driving is up. It's Half of it's in uh, Vermont and half of it's in Massachusetts. Northfield. You drive in in Massachusetts and you're sitting watching a movie in Vermont. Northfield. Uh, I can't think of what it is, but it's still in existence. And they went digital. The Northfield Drive-In. Northfield Drive-In. And it's actually, I I don't want to correct you, but it's uh, not Vermont. I think it's New Hampshire. Oh, is it New Hampshire? I think the back, because I think it's Northfield's closer on the New Ham- uh, North Northfield's on um, closer to the New Hampshire border. Well, maybe you're right. Uh, I don't know why I thought Vermont. I mean, they're right next to each other. You might be right too. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe it's in all three. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah. For all I know, the two back corners are New Hampshire and Vermont. But um, all okay. Right. But anyway, so, okay. I'll try that later. Anyway, for okay. our listeners. Um, yes. And honestly, for me, because I've actually never heard like a projectionist break this down for me. Uh, can you just like 
break down the process of projecting a film on screen like from when you walk into the booth to once it you know once the lights go down and you're up and running to when the credits roll like talk to me how does that how what's that process uh, it basically uh differs from theater to theater of course uh personally well yes you do walk into the theater <laughs> that's one and then you there's two choices you may, in some theaters, they have a generator that has to be started. It's usually in the cellar for the arc lamps. Uh, or some theaters will have rectifiers. And the rectifiers uh, just have to be turned on and uh, by a switch. And uh, usually that can be done in a projection booth. And that's mm -hmm. used for both carbon arcs and the uh, xenon bulbs. Uh, the generators are usually with carbon arcs. You get into your booth, uh, disregarding making up the film, etc. I can talk a little about that later. You go in, you, you thread up the project each projector. If it's two projectors, you thread up two projectors uh, with real one, two, and then goes three and four, five and six, etc. Until you run out of the reels. And they're usually 20, uh, the capacity is at 20 minutes per reel. Uh, and and uh, you may notice if you're watching a movie, you sometimes you see black dots appear yeah. on the right top right hand side of the screen. Yep. The first one indicates the start, the second, the next projector that's ready to start. You, you queue up in the uh, the leader at about seven or eight or whatever it's and then it counts down but you, that's not shown uh so when you see the first dot you start the other projector and six seconds later there'll be another dot and then you step on a pedal or push a button and a shutter on the ending projector that's just finished you know, shuts the light off from that projector and the other one opens so you see it as one continuous movie yeah when the changeover it's uh, it switches yeah. now the some of the newer ones use platters or single reel systems where once it's on a platter you still thread up and once you start it uh it runs all the way through and you don't have to usually rewind on the small reel system you have to rewind it after it's finished uh, running through, you put it on a rewind, rewind it, so that you, that's part of your job, and uh, till the end. And basically, you just watch the equipment, check the focus, check make sound is good, and if you have a film break, you have to take care of that and rethread, uh, and then repair the film later. And uh, basically, that is it except for making up there's one day a week that you have to break down the film put it into uh, on its original reels put it into the case and the cases get shipped uh every week they change uh different pictures one day old one goes out the new one comes in and you come in the next day or and you make up the, the new show you splice either put on the uh, reel or and make sure it's in the right direction so you don't play it backwards. And uh, basically that's uh, quickly without going through, you can be talking for an hour on how to do it. <laughs> I, uh, it's okay. I, um, that, that's look, uh, that, that's actually really interesting stuff to me. Um, hopefully anybody who's listening also thinks that's cool. Most of my audience probably is going to dig everything you just said, but yeah, like have, I feel like just that method, like that you just, you just have to know the timing of stuff. I take it. You have to, or else you could botch the whole presentation. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I did, I did it one time. I was about to ago. ask you, did you already have, did you ever have like a screw it's all, up? It's, it's only because he put the reel in the wrong wrong uh, uh, case mm -hmm. and it wasn't numbered when I uh, make film up and I'm running it 
I, I make sure that the leader has what real number, R number one, number two, number three, et cetera. And it, it so I take a real, say it was supposed to be real four. I took real out, put it in, I ran the show. And I didn't notice anything, but then a kid comes up to the uh, booth. He says, hey, uh, I think you're playing the wrong reel. I mean, uh, the lady that's uh, playing uh, right now on the screen was killed in the uh, 10 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) I stopped it. uh, Do you know what movie this was? What? Do you know what movie this was? No, I don't. Uh, I was have, uh, over where uh, so mad. With the theater is where Kentucky Fried Chicken is over by in, uh, West Springfield. Yeah, I think that was was that Riverdale. Yeah, I Riverdale. So, yeah. yeah, Riverdale driving. Oh, by the way, let me tell you this one. I got this. This Go happened it. to. This happened in Southfield, Connecticut. There uh, that I worked in the projectionist told me what happened. He says, you know, um, he was playing a movie. It was a cowboy picture. They're galloping down the, 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 down the road, whatever the scene was, and the changeover comes. And when the changeover comes in, it's people carrying a coffin into a church. <laughs> it went from a western to a... To a, a murder uh, movie. So it just was. It was two different movies. <laughs> yeah, it was two. Yeah, they were running a double feature. Uh, <laughs> so those are the funny things. I most of that. Those are the two good ones that I I know of. What's um? And if I, I'm sure this is probably going to be the hardest question of the chat here for you. But um, because you probably screened a million movies, maybe not a million, but that you know. But um, what's the favorite film? What's your favorite film you've ever just oh, projected? Like what? It's kind of hard today because I went through several se- seasons of changing uh, the type of movies. Uh, uh, some of my favorites. Not not including TV shows. Uh, let's see. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest I kind of liked. It's a classic. Pretty, yeah, Pretty Woman. Classic. Julia Roberts. Ooh, you got a crush uh, on her? I heard that in your voice. Oh, she's my favorite actress. Really? Yeah. No, I, 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 she's... She's a she's an icon. Uh, the, and the her. one uh, also besides Pretty Woman uh, what was the one uh, about uh, she was getting married. Runaway Bride. You runaway like a Runaway Bride? Bride? I did like that one. Like the humor in it. Uh, the, she, the, I've, me, known, I like you, I've known you for ten plus years, and I finally just found out on this episode you're a big fi- Walter Gonnett is a big fan of Runaway Bride. I'm. God, I just... I, oh, oh, one of the nice one I like is uh, when she played Erin Rockwich. She won an Oscar for that. Yeah. Yes. No, that's that's a. Brilliant... I always get it. There's one scene that I love the best. Uh, she goes and complains to her boss that she deserves a lot more money than what she's getting, and he gives him uh, an envelope with a check. And uh, I I would like to, and the guy is. Uh, playing along with it and when she opens up the envelope she got a i don't know a million dollars she felt so embarrassed that was funny i love that that part so you I, see there, there are parts of movies i like like um, but I, right now i couldn't think of any real uh i almost i i get to when i was a projectionist especially if I, i'm making up um uh, we make up the film and we have to sit there and watch it. Make yeah. sure it runs right. Make sure it runs well. You're not really enjoying it. So yeah, I can see what you're saying. You're just, you're working. Well, you can enjoy because uh, we, because now it's on a platter, so you don't have to uh, do changeovers. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now because they were on platter system. So uh, once you put them together, but 
once it's on a platter, if you made a mistake, you have to unwrap the film and get back. And that takes, that'll take uh, half an hour or something to get to the one you want and fix it and change reels. So you gotta make sure you get it right the first time. So, but you gotta see it the first day. See if there's any problem with the film or uh, make sure your splices are correct. And basically you get to see all of the pictures you've made, at least the ones you make up. You have given me quite some uh, some stories here. I'm, I'm <laughs> I still can't believe you like Runaway Bride. <laughs> Uh, only uh, because uh, it's funny, kind of funny. You like Mystic River, then I take it. Which one? Not Miss Mystic Pizza. Sorry, <laughs> Mystic Pizza was good too. Yes, um, that was filmed down in uh, Connecticut. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I, I had one final question for you. I mean, I'm sorry that this episode. I mean, this show is usually kind of loosey goosey with conversation, but I had kind of had a blueprint of questions to talk to you, but we kind of, I feel, I feel like you've given me a lot of memories of being a projectionist and that was like my last question, but I don't know. I guess we're kind of a, unless you got any other like standout memories. Oh, standout memories. Uh, uh, I kind of miss it down and now that I got into uh, video recording and I want to get into podcasting and and uh, pretty easy, Walt. Yeah, just grab a mic and go. Well, I got about six thousand dollars worth of podcasting equipment now. I think. Look at him. Just everybody, be sure to uh, add Walter on Facebook or I don't know. Shoot him an email for Christ's sake. He's Walter is a walking production company, mind you. Um, yeah. All right. When I, you know, discovered, like I said, Walter's a walking production company. He's got like three computers going on in his, in his apartment with all this gear. I mean, some days it's hard. It was hard to walk through there with all that equipment. You know, you know how I felt about your messy house, but no, um, <laughs> No, Walter, you, uh, the, you, I mean, you took me on shoots with you all the time. I mean, you got it, like you were touching on it. You went into some uh, video work. You picked up a camera. Yeah. Were you on the one that we did for, uh, the, what's his name from uh, uh, East Hampton? That one uh, that was done at UMass, the God question. Yeah, I was there with you. We did. A, yeah, I was, I was running. A, I think because you got injured or something. I had to. I don't remember. That was right after we wrapped the station. I yeah. Uh, did I ask you to take care of the sound or something? Yeah, I think I just. I think you sat there with like the mixer and everything, and I ran the boom. And I just remember. I mean, like this was years ago. I think I can talk a little candidly about it. I just remember that crew which was a real like pretty talented guys but oh they were talented they did but a good they job. took forever no you don't agree with me <laughs> oh they took yeah long. yeah there was just i was like are we getting this or not? i don't know i'm sorry but i i just remember we had had wrapped this that was really pretty much the summer you and me are bound at the hip i mean yeah was well, interesting though you learned that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you you probably. I guess I'll kind of kiss your butt here. You know, you I, I you opened the door for me a lot. Oh. And I thank you for that. I'll do it right here on the show. Oh, well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Let me just. I. I'll. Walter was the editor on my first feature film. I was a miserable, stressful wreck during post-production. And, you know, I'll go on the air and say this, you know, there's times where I was not really the best to work with. And, and, but you and me got through it together as friends. And, you know, I, I commend you for it. You, you helped a young kid like me just trying to make movies. Thanks. You did actually... Uh, with the p- other people that I've worked with, uh, 
I would say you are probably one of the best, if not the best, that I've worked with. Uh, uh, probably second to uh, the God question one. Because those guys were really experienced, but you ran it. You ran your uh, direct, uh, directing the picture very well. You had everybody time to come in at a certain time and all this stuff. You did very well with that. And you got things done. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember the, I don't know what, it, I, I'd never seen you like this before, but I remember after the first day on the station, we had, we brought Walter on set because A, we were using his gear and, you know, he kind of wanted to be there and supervise, make sure nothing bad happened, which is fine. I completely understand. And I don't know, you also were just kind of, you know, a fun guy to have around and, you know, you wanted to see things from an editor's perspective too, to kind of help me out with stuff. But I remember after the first day of shooting, you came right up to me and like grabbed my hand and shook it. Like we'd never even really met before. And you were like, good job. That's how you run a set. And <laughs> I was like, okay, man. But no, um, to kind of close things out here, like I was saying, I mean, look, I was a 22 year old kid back in when we first met 21, 22, I think you needed a ride home from class and I offered to give you one and the rest is history. You've shown me a lot of stuff that I know today that I still utilize. You are the, you are the Mickey to my Rocky Balboa. I don't know. You are the, you are the, what's the karate kid thing. You are my Miyagi oh. to me, Daniel. Oh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I do. You are the you are the wise man that taught a, a kid that just wanted to, you know, make some stuff. And I I'm forever in your debt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're uh, getting really you know. okay. But as you can see, Walter is you know doesn't give a damn. <laughs> well, no, you did a good, a good job, mate. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. No, no, I'm just giving you a hard time. Like I said, no. Hardly anybody gives me a hard time. <laughs> I know. All right, Walt. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, you're welcome. Thank you Thanks for doing for having this. me. Thank you for doing this for me. I'd love to have you back. I mean, I kind of wanted to just get you on and I don't know, get you talking about things you like. Is there anything you want to say before you uh before we just before we say goodbye? I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Where can <laughs> we find you if we do maybe want to start a podcast? How well, can we contact you, you if you're comfortable normal, saying that? Uh, use my uh, email address, walter.gonnett at gmail.com. I will leave that in the show notes. Yeah, you can put that in a footnote there on a caption. Or I will. All right, Walt. Um, you take care of yourself. Thank you for coming by the basement. All right. Okay. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> this uh, has been a great episode. This has been a great episode. I hope everybody listening enjoyed it. Um, be sure to, you know, like I've been saying at the end of every episode, be sure to subscribe, uh, leave a comment, leave a review on any place where you can leave a review where you listen to the podcast. And uh, <laughs> we will see you next week on the basement. Y'all take care.